Today on Blue 58, the Packers have one really great corner and a bunch of uncertainty beyond that. How did that reality shape their 2020 season? And are they going to be forced to take another defensive back early this spring? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. I am especially happy to be with you here because if you notice, in the title of this episode, there is a very large round number, episode number 400 is what you are currently listening to. It's not really episode 400. There have been some other ones in there. This is the 400th numbered episode of Blue 58. So, the distinction is somewhat arbitrary. However, I do always feel a little bit obligated whenever we get to a big round number to stop and pause for a second and say something important. Thank you. This podcast wouldn't exist without you, the person listening to it right now, whoever it happens to be, because without an audience, there is no show. The best advice I ever got in media creation, whether that be as a reporter, as a writer, as a podcast person, podcaster, I guess is what they call that, is do do it for yourself. Create the show, create the, the piece of written content, create the news report that you would want to listen to or read. And that is true. But stuff cannot continue to exist in a vacuum. And if there weren't people listening to this show, it would be really hard to justify continuing to do it. Since 2016, I and my former co-host Gary Zillavi have produced hundreds of hours, literally, of podcast content. And I'm grateful to everybody who has listened to it. And I'm excited for the next however many episodes there are. I thought it would be really dramatic to come out and be like, This is episode number 400, and I am retiring. But people are still interested in the show. I'm still interested in doing it. And I'm going to keep doing it for as long as I possibly can. I don't know how long that will be. uh, But hopefully it's going to be a a long, long time from now. So thank you for allowing me to do this. I, I look at this show as a fun thing, sure, but also a responsibility. I want to serve you the listener, as well as I possibly can. And as long as I think I'm doing that, I'm going to keep doing the show. If we ever get to a point where I feel like I'm not serving the audience well, that's when I want to stop, and hopefully a little bit before then. But I don't think we're anywhere near that. So thank you for allowing me to do this show. Thank you for listening. When I was considering, way back when I was going to college, when I was considering transferring to a new school, ended up at Northwestern College in St. Paul, Minnesota, They have on the campus there a place called the Mel Johnson Media Center. It's where the broadcasting students do most of their work. It was named for a guy named Mel Mel Johnson, a a pioneer in in Christian broadcasting. But he has a, a quote on the wall of the building in there. And it boils down to every time you sit down in front of a microphone, there is someone who needs to hear what you have to say. I don't know if that's 100% true about Packers podcast content. But I like to think that it is. And I like to think that doing this show helps me reach whoever that person is. And if that person happens to be you, thank you for listening. If it's not, I hope that we can find something that you like as well. A big part of the people supporting this show, and I promise we'll wrap this segment up pretty quickly so we can get on to the actual content, is people who support Blue 58 and the Power Sweep on Patreon. I have been remiss in doing this um, throughout the life of this uh, Patreon deal that we've been doing. 
But I want to start shouting people out individually. And I thought first and foremost, I would start off with the very oldest of our supporters, the five people who have been on board with us since 2017. So thank you to Robert Arthur, Jacob Gross, Eugene Markowitz, Gray Wing, and Jack Surridge. You've all been a part of the Patreon family since 2017, and I'm very grateful for that. If you would like to join us there, patreon.com slash thepowersweep. There's all kinds of additional bonus content there, and as well as that, you get access to our Discord server. So thank you so much to everybody who has listened, who has supported us over the years. And here's to another however many hundred episodes that we may have. I also need to take a moment to thank Don Helly on YouTube, who pointed out that J.J. Watt has indeed been double-teamed at the highest rate in the NFL. That stat came courtesy of ESPN via Rob Domovsky. We couldn't verify the location of that in the episode we did about J.J. Watt, and he has since provided the source for it. So thank you so much for that, Don Helly, on YouTube. And if you didn't know, you can listen to this show on YouTube. If that is convenient for you, I would encourage you to do that. Let's talk about cornerbacks. The Packers certainly had a lot of them in 2020. Not all of them particularly exciting, but some of them good, some of them very good. We're going to discuss cornerbacks today in order of how many snaps they played in 2020, as well as giving an outlook for where they may end up in 2021. So let's get started. At the very top, we have Jair Alexander, who played 900 spectacular snaps for the Packers in 2020. How detailed do you really want to get with Jair Alexander? He was an elite cornerback in 2020. It really doesn't have to go any further than that. But if you want to get specific, Opposing teams had a passer rating of 54.3 when they decided to throw the ball his way, and that was not generally a good idea. And that rating isn't so low because he even had a bunch of picks either. He really didn't. He was great, though. He was everything you really hope your number one cornerback could be. And personally, I just love everything about Jair Alexander. I love his eye black. I love his attitude on the field. I love how he attacks screen plays to wide receivers, to running backs, to whoever. I love how he looks like he just annoys the heck out of opposing teams, and that is a great thing to have on your team and a really annoying thing to have on other teams, and I'm glad he is on the Packers. Just this angry little gadfly of a person at all times in the best possible way, and it just is a joy to watch. The bad is very minimal, and if you want to quibble, you can say he doesn't get that many interceptions, and it seems like he should have more. I think he would even tell you that. He seems to say that just about every season, but A couple broke his way in the NFC Championship game, uh, had one fall right in his lap uh, that he had to make a great reaction to nonetheless, but it fell right to him off of Mike Evans' hands, and that was great to see. He benefited from that and took advantage. Um, And when you look ahead to 2021, the outlook is great. We're probably going to hear about a fifth-year option being picked up for him in the very near future. That is an absolute no-brainer there. It's a lot like what we said about Devontae Adams. There's no reason to assume he'll be any worse in 2021 than he was in 2020. It kind of feels like he's one of those players that has just cracked the code, and he's going to continue to be great. Uh, one of those, one of, I hate to boil things down to just like movie scenes, but one of the scenes that always comes to mind with players like Jair Alexander is that scene from The Matrix when Morpheus is watching Neo finally realize the extent of his powers, and all he says is he's beginning to believe. And it, it, and it's true. You just see that he realizes what he's capable of doing, and that feels like what Jair Alexander did in 2020. Every so often, you see those light bulb moments for players, and we got to see a lot of those for Jair Alexander in 2020. He just 
became the player we believed that he could be. And it was a lot, a lot of fun to watch. And that's a really enjoyable part about being a fan and being someone who does stuff like this is you get to watch players grow. And he did a lot of really exciting growing in 2020. And I think that's going to continue into next year. Next up at cornerback is Chandon Sullivan. He played 729 snaps for the Packers in 2020, some of them good. In fact, it was pretty good that he did not have that big of a, uh, of a drop-off with more expected of him in 2020. He had a pretty small role in 2019, and I think it was kind of an open question as to whether or not he would hold up under more snaps. He only played 350 in 2019, played more than 700 in 2020, and I think it's fair to assume that you're going to see those, real, those, those weaknesses in everybody's game get exposed pretty quickly as they start playing more. But honestly... Not that big of a drop-off. A drop-off, but not a huge one necessarily. 2019 Pro Football Focus had him graded as a, at a 73.6. In 2020, he was down to a 60.2, but that was mostly weighed down by a couple games where he graded really, really poorly. And those games honestly didn't really matter. For instance, one of them was the Atlanta game. Did it matter at all that he did not play well against Atlanta? No but his entire season grade gets dragged down because of that. And I think you can live with that, especially in a situation where he's probably not going to be giving up tons of deep deep balls anyway, playing in the slot. You can probably live with a guy who's going to grade out in the low 60s in in a bit of a bit role. However, however, there is a weakness to that. And as we talk about the bad with Chandon Sullivan, you've got to talk about people who are able to exploit that weakness. So there's a guy in your secondary who is exploitable. Sooner or later, someone is going to do it. And boy, did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do that in the NFC Championship game. He picked a real bad time to have his worst game of the year. And look, it's easy to do that against a great receiving core and a quarterback who has seen everything that any defensive coordinator could throw at him. Sullivan allowed four catches for 57 yards in the NFC Championship. He seemed to be an active target for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that was a big part of how things ended up the way they did for the Green Bay Packers. Sullivan's an unrestricted free agent heading into 2021. He might price himself out of the Packers market, which is not terribly hard to do. Though again, if the Packers want to, they can make it happen. Overthecap.com values him at about $5 million per year. That seems a little bit high, but you never know with cornerbacks. It's a little like my analogy of shopping at the wide receiver store it can get a little bit expensive, and sometimes you don't know exactly what you're going to pay. Even if it's three-quarters of that, that still is probably going to be too expensive for the Packers. So we'll wait and see on what happens with Chandon Sullivan. I think I would prefer to have him back, but you understand how these sorts of things work. Kevin King played the third most snaps for the Packers with 664 in 2020. And the good is honestly a pretty short list. He was only healthy for 11 regular season games. He only had one interception. Honestly, just not a lot here. What do you say about Kevin King that was terribly positive in 2020? Because he was hurt a lot, and like Chandon Sullivan, he picked the very worst time to have his very worst game of the season. He allowed five catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns, including that noteworthy um, touchdown at the end of the, the first half. He seemed largely responsible for that. And you may recall that he had a fairly significant penalty at the end of the game. And look, it was a penalty. Uh, They had just not called penalties like that throughout much of the game to that point. But we don't need to go over that again. 2020, 
Kevin King, or 2021 rather, Kevin King is probably, hopefully, almost certainly going to be playing elsewhere, not very much on wood. I think people are going to see a second-round pick, a high second-round pick at that, a big guy uh, with good testing numbers back in the day, and say, it's worth a shot, right? We can talk ourselves into this. So hopefully he's going to be gone. Whether or not he is, though, let's not let Kevin King take up any more space in our collective consciousness. Let's all just agree to move on. Josh Jackson played 331 snaps, and boy, the drop-off gets steep. You can really see how the Packers deployed their players in uh, in 2020 as we start looking at the snap counts here. You've got Jair Alexander with 900, you've got Shannon Sullivan with 729, and then you've got Kevin King with 664. Other than that, it's basically cameo roles for just about everybody else from here on out. Josh Jackson with his 331 snaps, like Kevin King, not a lot. That was great. A special teamer, I guess, a core special teamer, you could call him. He played 331 on defense, 142 snaps on special teams. He really didn't get many opportunities. And when he did, things did not go well, as we talk specifically about some of the bad stuff for Mr. Jackson in 2020. Tampa Bay in Week 6 was his biggest opportunity, and also it did not go all that well. He did only give up 17 yards, but he also allowed four catches on six targets as well as a touchdown. It's not a terrible afternoon, all things considered, but it's not a good look in a sort of gotta-have-it performance. Look, this is your big opportunity to play big reps with Kevin King out of that game, and you give up four catches and a touchdown. It's going to be pretty harsh for you. He is still under contract headed into 2021. You could cut him now, and I wouldn't be sad. But I think it's going to boil down to just keeping him around and seeing what he can do in a new-ish system. Just see what you got. See if he can do anything at all. Make him prove you wrong. And look, it's not going to really affect you all that much more if you cut him in July or cut him in February or March or whatever. Now we're really dropping off. We get to Kadar Holman, who only played 108 snaps on defense in 2020. There's not a lot to go on here. 108 snaps is only about six a game on average. And look, you like what you got here. You can see why they drafted him. Nice athlete, nice size, six feet tall, 196 pounds. The bad for Holman in 2020 isn't so much bad as just he didn't get opportunities. And we saw these weird sort of playing patterns throughout the Mike Pettin era in Green Bay. Guys just either got way too many opportunities Thinking about guys like Ibrahim Campbell, maybe even Kevin King. And other guys just could not get on the field once they had screwed up once. And Holman didn't even get the opportunity to really screw up at all, ever. For 2021, I think you're looking at a what-are-you-going-to-be type season for Kadar Holman. Are you going to be a real contributor on defense? Well, it's time to find you a real role. Are you a slot guy? Are you an outside corner? Or are you just going to be a special teamer? And that's fine. He's like a six-round pick, so it's really not that big of a deal if he doesn't develop into a starting corner. But I think it's time to be one or another. Is he going to actually develop into a real contributor on defense? It's got to happen sooner or later, or it's just not going to happen at all. And you do need those guys, those core guys on special teams. That's something we said about Will Redmond. There is guy, there is value to having guys like that around, especially big athletic dudes like Kadar Holman. But if he's actually going to be on the defense at some point, you got to kind of find that out. 
and he was probably among the guys most hurt by not having a preseason in 2020 because that's when guys like like Holman really make strides, their second preseason. He's really going to get some live game reps where he can show what he can do. Just never got that opportunity. Rounding out the guys who actually played is Stanford Samuels. 13 snaps, virtually nothing. We've said this about a couple low-end roster guys, Jonathan Garvin for one, Vernon Scott another. Just getting to the active roster as an undrafted free agent like Samuels, as a seventh-round pick like Garvin or Scott, that's an accomplishment enough in 2020. Got nice ball skills, seems to have a pretty nice athletic profile. There's really nothing to push you either way on Samuels. He's all potential, all virtually unknown. He's kind of got a light version of Kadar Holman's 2021 coming up next year. What's he going to be? We don't really know anything about him right now. But there is some stuff to be interested in there. I'm at least interested enough to keep him around for another look next year. So looking at the cornerback position as a whole, you could have a fair amount of staying the course. Alexander's going to be back for sure. Kadar Holman's probably back for training camp for sure. Stanford Samuel certainly is as well. Then you've got a bunch of guys who could go either way, and some that are probably headed out the door. Chandon Sullivan, who knows? Kevin King, probably gone. Josh Jackson, again, could go either way, and I wouldn't be terribly, terribly bummed out about it. One guy who is almost certainly not going to be back, though, is Tremont Williams, and we've got to talk about him just for a second. He was on the roster, active for a game, and played exactly zero snaps. This is going to haunt me. Not in like a existential dread. We know this was going to be different. We know it would have been different. But more in a question that we will never know the answer to. Could Tremont Williams have played better than Kevin King or Chandon Sullivan in the 2020 NFC Championship game? I think if you... I think you could convince me either way. I think you could say, yes, for this reason, uh, he's probably close to as athletic as Kevin King is right now, given Kevin King's numerous in- injuries and Tremont Williams' sort of freakish health regimen and the way he takes care of himself. Sure, he could have played a few quality slot snaps. He would have at least been an unscouted look for Brady and the Buccaneers. He might make the difference in the NFC Championship. You could also say, nah, he's 38 years old or 53 years old or whatever it is for Tremont Williams, he would have gotten toasted just like King or Shannon Sullivan would have. That is quite possible too. I do feel fairly certain that if he was in the same position, Tremont Williams would not have been holding on that key play late in the game. But the thing that's going to bother me forever is that we will never know. We'll never know. That's sports for you. A couple episodes ago, maybe even last episode, I don't know, how does time work anymore? We mentioned after doing a prediction review, that we should take some time to make some predictions right now. Sure, we can make some predictions around the start of the season, but why not make some predictions right now? Why not predict some things that are going to happen over the rest of 2021 as a whole, not just in the regular season? So I thought we should do that. I've broken these down into four categories. I call them the obvious, the less obvious but still obvious, the pure speculation, and the predictions about the 2021 regular season. Here we go. 15 predictions for the rest of the 2021 calendar year and hopefully beyond as we go into the 2021 playoffs. First, the obvious. 
I predict the Packers are going to release Preston Smith. Barring an unforeseen development with his contract or the salary cap itself, I think this seems like a foregone conclusion that he is not going to be in Green Bay next season. Secondly, I'm going to officially predict that Corey Lindsley is not going to be back in Green Bay. He spoke a little bit about this today, said there hasn't been much, if any, contact from the Packers, and he thinks he's probably going to be snapping the ball somewhere else in 2021. I would tend to agree. That is just the way that things tend to work in Green Bay. Third contracts for offensive linemen just don't happen all that often, especially not guys that have dealt with back injuries for two uh, two seasons in a row. Finally, as far as early stuff in free agency goes, I'm going to predict that Aaron Jones is not going to be back in Green Bay, but we are going to hear that the Packers made him an offer. I don't know if you remember all the way back in 2000, what was it, what would have been, 13 or so, when Greg Jennings was making his way out of Green Bay. There was an 11th hour offer from the Packers, but at that point, the damage was done, and he was well on his way out of town at that point. The offer, in fact, I believe was fairly competitive, but he decided to move on nonetheless. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a similar situation with Aaron Jones that the Packers come in late and say, hey, we'll do this for you, and it's just not as much guaranteed money or whatever, and he just ends up moving on. In the less obvious but still obvious category, two contract-related predictions, I'm going to predict that Devontae Adams is going to have his contract either reworked or extended before the start of the league year, so that would be within the next two weeks or so. That gives the Packers some cap flexibility. I also predict that Aaron Rodgers will have his contract reworked as well. As far as pure speculation goes, I'm going to say that the Packers will sign at least one free agent this spring who is of note. I'm not really sure what of note is, but I think we'll know it when we see it. The Packers are going to make at least one free agent signing this spring. I think they'll get enough contract room that they can scoop up maybe somebody who was an unexpected cut or um, just somebody who is more affordable than they would have thought in a normal year. Also, we'll predict that J.J. Watt is not going to sign with the Packers. He'll probably say some nice things about the Packers, say they made a real competitive offer or something like that. But uh, in the end, I just wanted to play fill-in-the-blank with my brothers, with the, the Cleveland Browns because they gave me $53 million, with the Buffalo Bills because they agreed that I could have all of the Buffalo wings that I wanted. That would get me to Buffalo for sure. I would go to Buffalo for even half as many Buffalo wings as J.J. Watt would probably eat. But um, so far, the Bills have not come calling. Still time. There's still time. Uh, In the NFL draft, I predict the Packers will take a receiver at some point this year. It's just getting to the point where they're probably going to need to fill in some bodies. They're going to be dealing with turnover here at the next couple of years. Uh, beyond Devontae Adams, you start having to make contract decisions on MVS, on Alan Lazard, on Equinemia St. Brown, and so, fo- so on and so forth. They're going to just need to backfill a little bit. So I predict they will take a receiver at some point in the draft this spring. In the early portion of the draft, I predict the Packers are going to take a defensive back or an offensive lineman in the first round. I think those positions are just a little bit more valuable than receiver to the Packers right now. So that is why I think they will go that direction early. I think the Packers are also going to take multiple offensive linemen throughout the draft this year. It just seems like, again, they need to be doing some backfilling there, and they're going to address uh, that position through the draft. Finally, I will predict that the Packers will take a running back at some point in the draft again this spring. Finally, way, way, way too early predictions for the 2021 regular season. 
Not too far out on a limb here, but I think A.J. Dillon is going to lead the Packers in rushing yards this year. I predict that Marquez Valdez-Scantling will have more than 1,000 yards. This is a bit of a big swing, but I think it's more feasible than you might think. He had 33 catches this past season at about 20 and a half yards a crack. So 45 catches, upping his catch percentage a little bit at that same 20 and a half yards per catch would get him to 940 yards. If he sticks with about his career average of 17 per catch, he only needs 59 catches on the season to get to 1,000 yards. I think it's within within spitting distance for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And the way that he came on at the end of the season, maybe I'm just a little bit more optimistic, but uh, I think it's a, it's a real possibility for him in 2021. 2021. I'm going to predict that Rashawn Gary will get to 10 sacks, getting more snaps with Preston Smith out of the way. He'll He'll continue to build on his skill set and get to uh, get to that 10-sack plateau. And finally, I predict that the Packers will win 11 or more games this year and win the NFC North. So there's a bonus 16th prediction. I'd love to hear your early predictions for the 2021 season or throughout the 2021 calendar year, whatever you want to predict. You could predict something for like June. You could say the Packers are going to make a weird roster move on June 17th or something like that. Just pick a date out of the out of the top of your head, uh, off the top of your head, whatever. Um, make a prediction. We'll write them down and see how we all do. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you listening in for this and all 399 of the previous episodes or so. Uh, the show, again, wouldn't exist without you, and I'm grateful for the time that you have spent with us as we've gone through this long journey together. It's been an interesting one, a fun one, And I hope you will join us for the next 400 and beyond, however many episodes that turns out to be. If you enjoyed this episode, I I would appreciate it if you would share it with somebody you think would enjoy it as well. That is the number one way that this show grows. And I'd be grateful if you would help us do that as well, because that's going to help us continue our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans, including me. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.